Hello, product innovators. Today we learn from one of the top names in the retail sales space on how to scale up a product once landed in a retail chain. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to welcome back Johan Jacob to the show. Johan is the founder and president of Retail Bound, an agency that helps emerging hardware brands get into major retail stores and sales channels. Retail Bound has been around for 14 years and has worked with over 4,000 product companies. Johan himself has spent 30 years in the industry, including being a major buyer for Sears and Office Max. Last episode, we talked about how to get into retail store chains. Today, Johan is going to give best practices on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can scale up their product sales once they land a retailer by building a buyer relationship, enhancing product exposure, reviewing your placements, and more. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Johan, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, Eric Kevin. Really excited to have you on again. You are the man when it comes to retail and getting new products into retail stores. Last time we talked, you gave all kinds of tips and tricks to a new product or even an existing company that's developing uh, something new or a new startup themselves. What's the best way to actually get into retail? And we had a great conversation about that. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, as listeners out there, I'd highly recommend you look up our other show with Johan and take a look at that. But now on this episode, we want to talk about what happens when you actually get into the retailers. So you cut that big deal with Walmart or Costco or Best Buy, and you're in the store, you're now on the shelves. How do you actually scale and grow and build a multi-million dollar product business through that channel? That's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Johan, anything new since we talked last? Uh, there are a few more wrinkles, a few more gray hairs. Not, not too much, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think we last spoke uh, in the uh, fall of 2021. You know, retail was still, you know, with the pandemic still coming on strong. A lot of retailers were concerned how was fourth quarter going to be. Yes, there were some shortages. However, it, it forced people to go to the store and buy things for their loved ones. Uh, and retailers in 2021 saw an increase around six percent over 2020 uh, in sales. So retail was, was solid. Very interesting. Yeah, it kind of came back around and you know now it's a hot topic. So the big question is, once you're into the stores and you've got your product, what are some of the main things that a company or a person or an inventor needs to do to actually scale that within that store channel? That's a, that's a great question. That's, that's why Retail was created you know, over 14 years ago. I call it, uh, you know, a lot of re- lot of young brands or brands in general, when they get into a, a Best Buy or a Walmart or any major retailer, there's a lot of excitement. It's almost like they get married, right? Um, there's a lot of love on both sides of the desk. Uh, but what happens when the honeymoon phase is over, right? We've all been there, right? What happens when you're not getting the same loving from the buyer, same opportunities? I think for a lot of young brands, the key is, like a marriage, right, is or a relationship is keeping that love going strong. So it's about you know finding things to make the bar look good. You know, it's promotions, it's exclusives, things that you know, to drive traffic. Because in the day, most large retailers for a uh, for a one skew, two skew brand that's unknown, like a Sony or Samsung, they're not going to spend the effort 
generally speaking, of driving traffic for you, right? All Best Buy or Costco or Walmart can do is provide a platform for you as a manufacturer to, to succeed. Whereas in store, online, on air, or in print, it's up to you as a, a as a manufacturer to take advantage of those opportunities. And I would say as a as a, as a merchant uh, uh, in my past life for two different build our retailers, less than less than ten percent of my vendor base took advantage or went over and above. I Means our ninety percent were 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 easy replaceable with other vendors down the road if sales weren't. We're going to hit those goals. I mean, overall, it's a really interesting theory you're talking about here because it's something that's a bit of a misconception. Once you get into the big retailer, first of all, if you're a one or two or, or, or three SKU product, you're not going to be getting into every store on day one anyways. You yep. are probably getting put in five or 10 stores or whatever the initial pilot project might be, uh, unless obviously it's some special scenario and there are some exceptions to that rule. But the reality is you're generally starting small. They want to test you out and see how it works. And that's where a lot of product owners, as you mentioned, 90% of product owners, they set it and forget it. Correct. And that's what's so amazing. To me, that's the opportunity because you can be the 10% that really uh, helps and that the buyer likes, that is doing things to really advance that product within that store, making that buyer look good, making the store look good, building that relationship. So what are some of those things that you can do once you're actually in the store, once you've got the pilot? What are some of those things that form that 10% of people that make that 10% of products that look good to that product buyer? And what are some of the key, I guess, you know, before we go too deep into the tips and tricks, what are the key things that buyers want to see? You mentioned to me uh, some KPIs, which are critical that buyers are looking for. And then how does that distill down to certain things that an individual or brand can do to help support that product line as it sure, grows? Sure. Just like in school, you know, each, each brand has a report card. Right. And and the vendor, you know, has to meet or exceed that rep at internal report card. Retail buyers, doesn't matter, you know, if it's an on-air, in-store, in print, uh, or online, they have at a, at a very at a very core at least three KPIs, key performance indicators. One is will your product drive top line revenue for my, for my business? Right. Number one. Number two, will your product right uh, drive bottom line profit? If I'm not making money, can't open the, can't keep the doors open, the lights on. And find a third thing, Kevin, that retail bars are looking for for your product is will your product turn X number of times, meaning that you know, if I buy a thousand uh, widgets, will sell through in a, in a specific amount of time. Now that that number will vary. So if I'm a consumable, you know, uh, it's a, a, a bag of potato chips, that number is a lot higher. Uh, a number of turns per 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 week per month than a uh, a four thousand dollar HD 8K TV at Best Buy, right? So that number varies, but those are the three KPIs: top line sales, bottom line profit, and inventory. And you, as a vendor, need to hit all three KPIs to continue in the buyer's assortment for next year. That's great. Now, what can they do? to drive those numbers up. And I think that really comes down to, you know, a big thing is how do they get people into the store? Because that's such a big thing, especially when we're talking physical retail stores, yep. the retailers want to get people in there. You see, that's why they have coupons and lost leaders and flyers. And they're all huge, massive internal marketing campaigns that they have to get people into the stores. But one of the best things you can do, of course, as a vendor, as a product is getting people into the stores for them. 
And of course, if you have a brand following and loyalty and you've got a great product or innovative, you can do that. You can actually get those people in, into the stores to help increase those KPIs, increase at least the sales number, uh, increase the amount of turns, and as well, increase the foot traffic for that store as well, which is all good things for that buyer. So what are some of the tips and tricks you've seen along the way to really accelerate and grow that for sure. an emerging brand? So there's really, there's really three things, uh, like like three three pegs to a stool, right? The first one is the marketing, right? That's the so that's that you know that's, that's common sense. A lot of young brands forget. So it's uh, doing promotions, you know, uh, not all the time because it devalues your brand and it teaches the the customer to wait till there's a sale. But key times like like Boxing Day or Thanksgiving or 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 dads and grads, right? Uh, we're at key times to drive sales when the when I say the geese are flying. Uh, doing a PR. Right. Uh, these are more internal stuff on your own side, but you know, doing where it's you're placed in online media or print media, being aware of, hey, this is a really cool product and where to buy. Uh, uh, other forms of marketing influencers, right? That's been a big, a big kit over the last the last couple of years. Find a, a person who's uh, has a, a large following, does an unboxing video and drives traffic to to uh, a retailer. Uh, a lot of retailers like Best Buy, Kevin. Uh, or staples have a uh, a marketing uh, calendar of what we call uh, external marketing levers. It could be uh, paid search on their site, like Amazon has, like per per click. It could be uh, blogger or pay per views, uh, email blasts, banner ads. Right, there's uh, there's certain things uh, that uh, that a retail has. Almost like it could be as little as it could be as free to hundred thousand dollars, right? So you can pick and choose what lever makes sense for your brand to drive sales off the in-store or online. Um, besides some of the typical marketing levers, right? That you could do to, to drive to drive sales. Also it's in-store, you mentioned, uh, training. You know, okay, so it's Best Buy and all those great blue shirts, right? They're, they have hundreds of thousands of products in-store right? and a lot more online. Educating the blue shirt. That's another, that's another, another task, another part of that, that stool, uh, where okay, it's educating the blue shirts about your product, right? Um, why is it different than the other six products on the shelf, right? Uh, some retailers allow, allow you to do spiffs or sales contests to educate the sales associate about your product, right? So when someone comes in the store and says, Hey, Kevin, I'm looking for a, a really cool pair of Bluetooth headphones. There's 50 on the planogram, right? What you recommend? Hopefully, you train an associate on well. What are you looking for? Is it comfort? Is it price? Is it this? Is it that? Right? And then finally, the third thing besides promotions and marketing, you know, internal, external, and and training, you know, sales associates. Uh, the last thing is making sure uh, that your product actually on the shelf. We call plangram compliance. Um, uh, we audited two different companies uh, this past uh, November in-store and found that uh, uh, over third of the stores, the products were on the shelf. They were in the back stock room. They were in long, wrong location wow. in the store. Uh, uh, or they're truly out of stock, right? So you spend all this money in marketing, driving traffic to a store, right? Training sales associates. The product's on the shelf. You know, it, it's like it's at the last mile, right? You drop the ball at the goal line, right? So it's important that as a manufacturer, that you, you cover all three things. Make sure that your product's action the shelf, 
where's the back stock room? Two, make sure your sales associate is knows about your product and just read a box, right? And find a third thing is you're doing some promotions and some PR and, and whatever to you feel awareness of your product and say, hey, this is where you buy, Best Buy, QVC, and so forth. That's great tips. And the best thing about a small brand or somebody that's first started to get into these stores, as we talked about before, it's going to be a pilot. Likely the pilot is going to be regional. So it's going to be maybe five or 10 stores within a specific geography. Maybe it's around, you know, if you're an Austin, Texas inventor, maybe it's, it's all the areas within, you know, hundred kilometers of Austin, for example, in a particular store. The beauty about that is you can do a lot of this work yourself. You don't have to pay uh, you know, a whole team of experts in order to check out the stores when you're small, of course, you can just walk to the stores and make sure that they're there. In fact, it's a really exciting time. Many of our clients love that part of the process when they get to walk into the store and, and take the Instagram photo and whatever else that, that there's their, their product that they had is just an idea months ago is now sitting there on the shelf, ready to get bought. The other thing that I would say in terms of the marketing, again, when you're talking about geography, it's far easier to do what we call guerrilla marketing, which is marketing to a small area, one specific niche region to drive a lot of traffic there and see how that impacts just the sales within that local area. The beauty about the PR side of things in conjunction with marketing as well is that PR, especially if you can get uh, media, it's called earned media, that's free. Yep. The best way that you can get earned media is is in your the, or one of the easiest ways I should say is in your local town selling to local retailers and the fact that you're in the retailer you can use just the very fact that you're in Walmart as one of the big pitches to why uh, a writer should write about you. Because you great, landed in Walmart, in you're there, you're on no. the shelves, you're taking the photos in there, you're driving us some hype on social media, then you're leveraging that to get free earned PR to then drive more traffic into the store. And then this thing starts to smoke snowball. Yeah, so that's I, I the beauty of a small brand, right? Yeah. And as a, as a, as, as a foreign merchant and, and as a consultant who works with a lot of young brands, that gets you the most excited. You work so hard you know, with your client, right? He has a really cool product. You spend six, seven, 12 months of developing strategies, selling the product in, negotiating, right? It does well online. It gets in a couple of stores, right? Where it's a 50 store test or 200 store test. And then seeing your local store, it's it's it, it gives me the biggest high, right? I like the runner's high. I, I love seeing our <laughs> clients and we take a lot of pictures on behalf of our clients, especially with clients who aren't based in the US or, or North America. They're based in, in London or based in Hong Kong. We tell them, hey, look, we were at a, at a, at a Best Buy in in Toronto or a Best Buy, a Best Buy in Orlando, and look, there it is, and it just it gets them so excited as well as we do. And if by chance, uh, if the stores aren't local, right uh, to your community, there are companies like Retailbound. We have a service called Retailbound Vision that have, can go to any store in the U.S. and Canada and audit and make sure that your product is actually on the shelf and and, and do a mystery shop for about twenty bucks U.S. per store. For you know, for 50 stores, you know, it's a very affordable way. Then find fly down to from Hong Kong to you know the US to audit 50 stores. You know, so it's a, there are companies that can do that for you. Well, let's talk about some of the stuff that you guys do because that's really big, especially as you're scaling, right? You're you're only local when you start, and yeah. you're only local when you when you are those first few stores. But at some point, the and. The point of listening to this podcast is you want to scale beyond that. You want to become in hundreds, if not thousands of stores across uh, the US and ideally then worldwide, internationally. So the one of the things that uh, 
I think is very important to what you do at Retail Bound is strategizing all these intricacies, especially as, well, first and foremost, to get you into the stores, which is a big piece of the puzzle. But then once you're in the stores, how to actually scale. So talk about some of that big picture thinking about um, some of the things that you're doing in terms of bigger scale beyond just the regional play and maybe how that regional play actually helps in the expansion as you go statewide or national or international. Yeah, it's a great bit. So, you know, retail's not for everybody, right? Uh, there, are, there are certain brands that we, 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 we talk to you on a daily basis that tell you truth, stay direct to consumer. Retail's not for you. Uh, uh, success in retail varies. You know, being in you know, 10,000 locations maybe great for one brand, where another one says, you know, we're in three retailers, Best Buy, Apple, and Home Depot, and we're fine with that, right? Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of confusion out there of, hey, is retail going to be dead, right? Uh, brick and mortar. The answer is no. Uh, retail continue to change, right? And our job is to be the experts, the, the Sherpas, helping that young brand climb that mountain, right? And say, hey, we'll we'll create a strategy for you, right? Where you're a small one skew brand or you've been a brand for 50 years, what makes sense for your, for your company, right? Um, I would say to answer your original question, you know, the things that you should do in retail, right, is, you know, go over and above, you know, make the bar look good, right? Driving traffic to the retailers using various internal marketing levers you have, as well as some of the external marketing levers that a retail have. And you're guaranteed, right, a long-term relationship with a retail buyer. Because again, why it's easy to get in the store is that even easier to get kicked out of the store, I guess. So it's important <laughs> that to do a good job and, 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 and do it for a, a very long time. I think what you, something that you mentioned there I, I, is really important to highlight is the fact that you should really overcommit and do great to your partners. I mean, this is just good in business in general. Always try and give more than you're taking. Always try and be that reliable partner that goes the extra mile. That goes so far. And that's not something you stop at from the beginning of this conversation when we talked about getting in the re retail and then setting it and forgetting it. Yep. It's something that you should continue to massage. Keep in touch with that person. That's one of the easiest things you yeah, can do. Yeah, relationship, yeah. Talk to your buyer. Yep. See how they're I, doing. I, yeah, See what they think about what you're doing, right? How's your product going? What are they seeing internally? Uh, what are some tips that they might think to help you continue to scale the product? Uh, talk to them about what you're doing in the industry. What's some of this? Uh, what, what is some of the PR that you just landed potentially, as we were talking about earlier? What's some uh, maybe an influencer that just started talking about it on social media? What are things that you can do to make them look good? Because if you can overcommit in the beginning, even, and I would argue, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, but I would argue, don't worry about losing money on your initial orders. So definitely your early orders. And even as you start to scale, if anything, be reinvesting that money back in, double down. You've got a product that is growing, that people are buying, that there's an interest in, that there's a hype. So you're far better off from an equity valuation standpoint of your product business to start showing that growth in revenue than it is to start showing the growth in profit. Profit right. is something that you can eventually get to when you get to scale, because not only are you growing in retail stores, not only is there the snowball effect happening in your community, so you've got more buyers and people are spreading the word faster and all of that. In addition to that, remember, you have economies of scale on the manufacturing side as well. So as you're producing more units, you're working with the manufacturers and with your design teams to continue to cost down that production to make it more efficient, to make it essentially less costly per unit. So eventually your margins will start to grow. 
But the, and the craziest thing I would say right now, if you look at 2022 is look at valuations of some of these hardware companies that are coming out. Look at Peloton as a great example. <laughs> I mean, I must say it was a great example on a launch, maybe not so much now. No, yeah, not who, who knows stock, what's yeah. going to happen in the future, but no matter which way you cut it, that's a multi-billion dollar company that is still operating at a loss. Yep. And we have countless examples of this, right? But what they are doing that's much more valuable than the day-to-day cash flow is they're building a community. And they've got a product brand that's expanding and they're growing their sales and revenues and they're being really good to their partners. Anybody that they're involved with along the path, as you said, those three KPIs is working very well for them. So the reality here is keep pushing on those levers in the early days. Don't worry so much about profit. Don't worry so much about going the extra mile. Do that in the early phase so you can get that traction going. Yeah, and I would say that to add top of that image about the economy of scale, you do a good job of that one skew brand. You 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 spend the money to try, and you're going over and above to drive sales. You know, in store and online, right? Uh, where you get those repeat POs, right? It's a good chance to get an opportunity to expand your shelf space. So now it's a one skew. Now you have four skews, and now you can amortize some of the loss on skew one uh, by making up on skew two, three, and fourth on the plan gram, right? So now you're, it's a, you, you've averaged the margin, margin, uh, margin overall, and now you're making more money. And you continue to drive sales, you get more products on the shelf with a bar. Now you need more to them. They need more to you. Because when you're a one skew brand, you're not doing well, I can kick you out, right? When you have five skews, 10 skews on a plan gram, uh, and maybe one's not doing too well, I'll tell you the truth, you got nine that's doing well, a good chance you're going to stay in that sermon, right? And finally, you know, if you continue to drive sales, you can add more of your product in store, right? You'll continue to be a long-term vendor with your with your uh, retail buyer. And guess what? Your cost of marketing actually goes down because when you first start in retail, your price for more, more money in market as a percentage of goods, typically around twenty percent of your of your cost of of of, of, of marketing. Right, is driving sales, right? But as you can more now is your product and your brand is more more well known with both sales associates as well as customers. Your cost of marketing or cost of acquiring a customer actually goes down, right? So like you said, Kevin, you do if you need to drive more business, your cost of marketing goes down. Your 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 cost of production product goes down because you're of, of of just driving more sales. So it all kind of works out. In a nice way, you need to do the do the right things. Well, and then this whole competitive nature comes up because if you've got a growing and scaling brand and you're starting to increase shelf space and the retailer likes you, well, now, like you said, that somewhat the negotiating table switches, but not just between you and that retailer. Now you've got other retailers that will be interested in that product. Now, yeah, you've, more now you've got a bit of a competitive landscape where you you aren't just getting pushed around or potentially bullied around. You're getting uh, potentially fair deals because you are a hot product and it's not just on the retail space, but now you're likely to get in conversations with bigger potential partners or influencers or other channels to sell product as well, or other folks, maybe to white label or bigger brands that might even want to acquire you or do other things, right? So the, the key to really anything as you start to scale is really focusing on long-term value. And that right. all comes down to putting in the time, effort, and money in the early days so that you can push all these value proposition items, really prove that your product is a good one. One of the greatest things I find to this too, you know, not only adding shelf space and all that, you talked about SKUs, but think about it if you've done a great job on launching your first product with a particular vendor and they look good to their boss, like the, you say that report card, 
how much easier is it going to be for you to approach them with your next idea? Or let's say the pro version of your product, or yep. maybe even an accessory to that product or something totally different, but it's in the hardware space as well. You've now established yourself as a reliable expert that launched a great product in, in, out of the gate. And therefore, they're much more likely to take a risk on you for the next one that comes through and so on. That's how you build your brand. That's how you build your equity. That's how, how you also build your personal name with yep. these various relationships. You can really build something substantial. And that's how if you look at so many of these hardware startups that use retail to get to the seven, eight, nine figure categories, this is the path they took. They started all the way from ground one with just that idea, that sketch on a napkin, and then they brought it to, you know, got it to the point where they could go to retail, but then they focused on scaling and retail. And that's how you can go from a, you know, a business which worth six, seven figures to something that could be exponentially more. Yeah, that's how you actually Fit, build Fit, Yeah, where it's Fitbit, where it's Spiro, where it's Nest, they all were one skew products, right? Yep. They started small online, maybe a couple of stores. I'm, I'm looking today and you brought up a good point, you know, that, you know, if you're good to your buyer, they're going to take care of you. In my book, Retail Bound, Learn How to Sell Products for Retailers, you no, know, I said if there's one tip you take away from 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 the book or even from today's, today's podcast is always make the buyer shop easier, right? To make it easier, right? Especially for those younger buyers who are just starting out, as they go up and move up the up, up the, the food chain, guess what? They're gonna take it with you, right? Or if the buyers do move, they went from especially if they go Best Buy or Target in Minneapolis, right? Or Costco and Amazon Seattle, right? Buyers change, right? So if you're do if you burn your bridge at Best Buy, right, with that bigger buyer, when he or she goes to Target, you think you have a chance? Heck, heck no. But if you've done a great job at Best Buy with that bigger buyer and he or she moves to Target, a good chance you have an opportunity to work with that buyer at that at that retailer. So always take care of your buyer, always follow through on your commitments. That's great advice, Johan, for our retail buyers and just for business in general in the hardware space. I want to thank you again for taking the time a second time around to give us advice on now scaling up when into the retailers. Johan, appreciate it. And we will talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time